0: Thank you for joining us today on Healthcare Highwire. Today is the Director of Nursing Leadership Series, learning to be good communicators with strong clinical knowledge and leadership skills. In this episode, Sandy explains the regulatory intent of behavioral and emotional health. This is part one of a two-part series, today on the Director of Nursing Leadership Series. Take it away, Sandy. Welcome everyone, and thanks for joining me today on the LCS Director of Nursing Leadership Series. I'm Sandy Toole, the Director of Clinical Services, and today we're going to be discussing the regulatory requirements around behavioral and emotional health. You may or may not be aware of this, but in the fall of 2022, CMS sent a memo to all state survey agencies, which outlined several regulatory focus areas related specifically to federal monitoring surveys. Now, just as a reminder for you, states are required to conduct federal oversight or comparative surveys on a 5% sample of inspections in each state. Now, this can occur either by the federal inspector accompanying the surveyor, or by conducting a separate survey within 60 days of the state review. Of those identified CMS focus areas, today we are going to look specifically at F740, F741, and F742. These were the areas selected that are of national concern, identified based on promoting health equity and the impact of the pandemic on residents' physical and psychosocial needs. Now, F-740 is behavioral health services. And this regulation did see some changes with the rule of participation revisions that occurred in October of 2022. F-740 states that each resident must receive and the facility must provide the necessary behavioral health care and services to attain or maintain the highest practicable physical, mental, and psychosocial well-being in accordance with the comprehensive assessment and plan of care. Behavioral health encompasses a resident's whole emotional and mental well-being, which includes but is not limited to the prevention and treatment of mental and substance use disorders. That's a really long definition, but that's F740 in its entirety. Now, substance use disorder is not a new diagnosis, but it has certainly gained increased national attention due to the opioid crisis across America. And it really is a new addition to our rules in post-acute and long-term care services. Well, you might be asking yourself, what is substance use disorder? Well, the Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration, SAMHSA, defines it as the recurrent use of alcohol and or drugs that cause clinically and functionally significant impairment such as health problems, disability, and failure to meet major responsibilities at work, school, or at home. Surveyors are gonna check to see that residents are screened for possible serious mental disorders and related conditions prior to admission. This really should occur under the pre-admission screening and resident review process, or as we call it, PassR. And you're gonna wanna check your PassR processes to be sure that all residents qualifying for specialized level two services are receiving those services as they were prescribed. If the resident does not qualify for specialized services, but maybe requires a more intensive behavioral health service, you're going to need to be able to show that you have made reasonable efforts to provide for and arrange for those services. For example, this might include individual counseling, making sure that services provided are person-centered. And you're gonna hear this a lot throughout all of the regulations really, but certainly in behavioral and emotional health, person-centered care is critically important. Look at your behavioral health referral process. What are you doing for those residents who have a new mental health diagnosis after admission? you're still going to need to make appropriate referrals for those individuals as well. And also, be sure to examine your activity programming. You want to make sure that activities provided meet the needs of those individuals with behavioral and emotional health needs. You know, you're going to probably need to look at things more than bingo and religious services. You really, again, want to individualize and provide person-centered activity programming for those individuals as well. I want to talk just a minute about behavioral contracts. Now, for those residents with a history of mental disorder or substance use disorder, the care plan must be person-centered, right? We've already said that. CMS states that you can use behavioral contracts as part of the individualized care plan to address those behaviors that might endanger the resident or other residents or even the staff. Now, I urge you to use caution with behavior contracts and really implement them only with the assistance of a mental health care provider. Behavioral health contracts really can only be used for those individuals who have the capacity to understand them, right? You you wanna be careful that the contract does not conflict with resident rights or even other requirements of participation. Make sure that you're not using a behavioral contract to impose a system of rewards or punishment. We used to do this many, many, many years ago, but this has certainly been defined as something that could be falling within a violation of resident rights and even abuse. Note also that residents with mental disorders or those with substance use disorder may be at increased risk for leaving your facility without facility knowledge. And this, of course, would be considered an elopement. Sometimes having those behavioral contracts can help you to explain to the individual the difference between an elopement, leaves of absences, and also just even leaving against medical advice. Just know if substance use is suspected, you're going to want to do some increased monitoring and supervision within your community. You may even need to restrict or supervised visitation if the resident's visitors are deemed to be a danger to the resident. If there's reasonable suspicion that they possess illegal drugs, well, sometimes you can get the individual to consent to voluntary drug testing or inspections, but the bottom line is, Unless it's voluntary, you're going to need to make referrals to local law enforcement because we are not authorized to conduct bodily searches or really even search personal possessions. So don't get caught up in that trap. We're going to discuss substance use disorder a little bit further next time when we discuss trauma-informed care. Now let's get into F741 a little bit. This is the requirement to be sure that you have sufficient staff who have basic competencies and skill sets to meet the behavioral needs of your residents. And this includes those with a history of trauma, post traumatic stress disorder, and of course, those with substance use disorder. Make sure that your facility assessment includes the services and diagnoses applicable to the care being provided to those individuals. You may need to provide extra or additional training. You certainly need to provide required training and education to your staff who are caring for individuals with mental, psychosocial disorders, substance use disorders, as well as those residents with history of trauma or PTSD. And you even may need to adjust your staffing levels to care for these individuals because sometimes they do require a little bit more care in the aspect of monitoring and uh, supervision training should include the knowledge and skill set to effectively interact with residents using great communication techniques and meaningful activities and personnel need to know what are the non pharmacological interventions for these residents how do you let staff know what needs to be done other than medications And definitely your staff will need to be educated and trained on what are the signs and symptoms of substance use in residents with substance use disorder. Now I wanna talk a little bit about 742, which is the treatment and services for mental and psychosocial concerns. The intent of this regulation is to ensure that a resident who has been assessed and has displayed any mental or psychosocial adjustment difficulties or has a history of trauma or post-traumatic stress disorder, you wanna make sure that that individual receives appropriate treatment and services to correct the initial assessed problem. So for this regulation, you're going to want to make sure that the interdisciplinary team, including the resident and the resident's family, has helped to develop the plan of care and works to implement the approaches to the care that are once again, here we are, person-centered. That word comes up time and time again, person-centered. Take a look at your nursing documentation to make sure that any indications of distress or lack of improvement or decline are clearly documented in the residence record. And make sure that services are provided and individualized for resident needs, making sure that the resident care plans addresses all those assessed emotional and psychosocial needs. Now, what about the critical element pathways? Did you know that there's a pathway specific to behavioral health? I want you to take a look at that one. Well, thank you for joining me today. I hope you find this information beneficial and you will continue to follow us as we provide important clinical information and strategies to achieving regulatory success. I look forward to the next Director of Nursing Leadership Series podcast, which will be part two of behavioral health, where we will continue to discuss substance use disorder, trauma-informed care, and pre admission screening and resident review or PASSAR. And I hope you join us next time on Healthcare Highwire. Be sure to join us next time on Healthcare Highwire for part two of behavioral and emotional health. Thank you for joining us today on Healthcare Highwire and the Director of Nursing Leadership Series.